Morning, gang. Uh, this is Eric Sorensen coming to you from uh, my offices in New Jersey. I'm both pastor of Epiphany uh, Church in New York City, uh, located near the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and of course, associate pastor here at Hillside Church with my good buddy uh, and co-pastor Bruce Hillman. Uh, good to be here with you again on uh, this Tuesday morning. Um, we have been uh, sort of just taking the Old Testament lectionary text for the upcoming Sunday over the last number of weeks um, that uh, that I've been doing this and looking at them to see what they have to say to us. Oftentimes, uh, if you're in a church that uses the lectionary, then you, uh, you certainly uh, have heard the Old Testament reading probably most uh, most weeks. They, I mean, at least in most traditions, they tend to read one passage from the Old Testament, a psalm, uh, and maybe an epistle, and then the gospel reading. And probably most often the gospel reading is what's preached on. That just tends to be the case. Uh, it certainly doesn't have to be the case, but that just uh, tends to be the case. Um, and so I figured we look at passages that aren't usually preached on uh, as we gather here uh, on Tuesday morning. And so today we're going to look at a short little passage in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 through 9. And and what we're going to see here, or what we're really going to have uh, laid out for us, is a tiny discussion, although not unique just to this section, of why it is God chose Israel to be his representatives on earth and to be his chosen people. And through what he'll say to Israel, I think you're going to be able to see some application for your life as a Christian and answering the question why it is God chose you. Because indeed, if you are a Christian, if you believe in Jesus Christ, then that is part of what you confess. Based on Ephesians 1 and 2, where there's great rich language about being predestined before the foundation of the world, uh, Romans 9 through 11, where there's a lot of language about that, it's certainly not an alien idea to the scriptures that God chooses uh, those who believe, those who are his. Um, and of course, there's all sorts of philosophical complications that come up in our mind and we try and figure out how it all works. But I don't want to go there today because to some extent, uh, we're, we're probably always going to be left in a place where we're not given all the information about that in the scriptures. But what we are given uh, information about is the reasoning for God's choosing. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 through 9. Now, just to bring you up to speed, Deuteronomy, of course, is um, the last of the five books of the Pentateuch and really is before Moses dies. It's sort of a, I guess you could say, a review to the people of Israel of all that they have gone through together as they've wandered in the wilderness, all that God has commanded them to do, all that God has saved them from and delivered them from, and all that God has promised them. So it's Moses sort of before he relinquishes his post uh, and hands it over to Joshua, giving the people of Israel review. And here's what it says. It was not, Deuteronomy 7 verse 7, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. 
Now, let's just stop there for a second because uh, this this is sort of a, a pride-crushing uh, statement from God. He says here, Unless you think I chose you because you're so numerous, because of your great power or your great wealth uh, or whatever, or your great potential for the future, lest you think it's any of those things or because I just wanted to be on the side of a mighty empire, don't believe it. Don't be fooled by any delusions of grandeur about yourself, Israel, about your greatness. I did not choose you because you were more in number. In fact, you were the fewest. He continues, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. There's an interesting, so, so here in chapter 7, you have God say, it's not because you were mighty, it's not because you were stronger than anybody else that I chose you, but in fact, it's because I'm keeping my covenant that I made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your forefathers. I promised them I'd bring you into the promised land. I promised them that through their offspring, I would one day bring offspring, the offspring, that would be a blessing to the entire world, which we know, according to Paul, is fulfilled in the person of Christ. That's why I chose you, Israel. Sometimes I'll get questions about that, like why did God choose Israel as opposed to any other nation? And if you ever get questions like that, go to passages like this. Or for that matter, go to chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. There, God doesn't just say, I chose you because of my covenant with your fathers, <laughs> but he goes out of his way to make sure they understand uh, also that he didn't choose them because they're better than anybody else. Look at verses 4 and 5 of chapter 9. Do not say in your heart, after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you, he's talking about the people that they will push out of the promised land, that it is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land, whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. You can understand how people would start telling themselves that narrative. God blessed us because we're better than those evil people. Verse 5, Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going in to possess their land. But because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out from before you, and that he may confirm that the, wor the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And then he goes on in verse 6, Know therefore that the Lord your God has not given you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stubborn people. You are a stubborn people. So all that to say, what we have so far is two statements from God about why he chose Israel. Uh, one, it wasn't because, or why he didn't, and then why he did. One, it wasn't because uh, they were great and mighty in number. That's not a factor. No, in fact, they were tiny. And two, it was certainly not because of their righteousness. He, he says right there, you're a stubborn and stiff-necked people. And if you ever doubt that, just look at the first five books of the Bible and see how often they show that to be the case.
So God's very clear. Chosenness is not because of their righteousness, not because of their strength. Same thing's true for you, Christian. You are chosen to be a part of the kingdom of God, not because you're better than anybody else, not because you have great potential that you can offer God, that God is somehow looking at what you will accomplish for him and says, ooh, I need that guy on my team. No, no, no. No, it's not because of any of that. Instead, just as he says to the people of Israel here, well, he says it to you. You want to know why I chose you? Because I love you. And I made a covenant that promised that I would save all those who have the same faith as Father Abraham. I made a covenant that I would save them. You want to know why I chose you? It's not because of anything within you. It's because I'm a God of grace. I'm a God who loves to take that which is unworthy and declare them worthy. I'm a God who loves to seek and save the lost. I'm a God who exchanges my righteousness for your unrighteousness. And why do I do it? Because I love sinners. That's the disposition of God. God's motivation for saving this world, yes, John 3.16 is right, is because he actually loves this world as fallen and corrupted as it is. God has chosen to save this corrupt place. In fact, to renew this corrupt place. For the last number of months with sporadic breaks here and there, I have been preaching through the book of Revelation uh, to my church in uh, Manhattan. And uh, one of the things that becomes abundantly clear about that book is it is all basically a story of renewal. It's all a story of God restoring that which has been lost, bringing justice finally to the world. But even more than that, it's a story of God's amazing grace that he can take people from every walk of life, from every tribe on earth, from every language under the sun, and unite them under one head, Jesus Christ. So that by the end of the book, and actually it's throughout, it's pictured for us, but by the end of the book, the glorious picture you have presented is people from every part of the globe all bowing down, bowing their knee, at the name of Jesus. And why are they doing it? Because he is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, precisely the moment that God chose to save people like you and me. So Deuteronomy 7 tells us a very important lesson that we can apply to our lives that certainly Paul applies to our lives in the New Testament. When you think of being chosen by God, Remember to avoid any thoughts of because of your greatness or because of your righteousness. But in fact, it's because of his greatness, his faithfulness, and his righteousness manifested for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ that we are chosen at all. And again, for that, we, we reflect and we respond with praise and thanksgiving for his grace to us. All right, short little passage today. That's the only verses that are part of the Old Testament uh, text for this weekend, so I'll leave it there. Um, I'm sure that there will be much longer devotions for the rest of the week, and so enjoy those from Bruce and Donovan and Gretchen. Uh, until next Tuesday, uh, God's richest blessings on you, and uh, we'll see you then. <laughs>